Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.info. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, trouble is not limited to any one group. And trouble can find you, as the title says, wherever you are or whatever you're doing. And being a follower of Jesus does not immunize you from trouble, even though some preach that it does. Because it's not just people in the world who are sneaking narcotics, uh, who are imbibing too much alcohol, who are undergoing serious therapy, or who are contemplating death by suicide. Many are buckling in under the trouble that is in their life. Just before Jesus died, he said to his disciples, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. In the short letter of James, James who happened to be the the brother of Jesus, He writes it to the scattered followers of Jesus all over the Roman Empire. And he focuses on how to live out your faith wherever you are. And in his short introduction of himself, he he doesn't say he's the brother of Jesus. What he does say is he's a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ, a fellow follower of Jesus Christ, indicating that Jesus determines the way he lives. And in his pointed guidance, he calls them to what we might call real faith, real belief, the kind that is confident in God's love and God's peace, and therefore leaning heavily on God's word, as, as Ken made mention of, we, we live in peace. And he begins his letter by calling all of us to maintain composure in trouble. Now, trouble can run the gamut of meaning. It can go from anywhere from losing your life to losing your job, from losing your health to losing your home. And these first century followers of Jesus were literally refugees. They had lost seemingly everything. And they must have been wondering, why? Why, God, are you letting these troubles come our way? And so James begins his letter this way in the second verse. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for joy, for great joy. Now, that's a message they needed to hear, and so do we, because we also are called upon to live in in peaceful stability in the midst of a troubled world. And I want to suggest to you this morning some ways from these first 12 verses that James sees this peace being a reality in our life. And the first one is right there in verse 2, and that is that some trouble is inevitable. And so you need to anticipate it. When troubles of any kind come, James wrote, not if they come, not maybe they will come, but when, when they come, anticipate it. A nurse was scurrying into the waiting room as she told the expectant father, your wife just gave birth to twins, Chad, to twins. And, and, The father said, that's amazing. I play baseball for the Minnesota Twins. 
in just a little while, that same nurse came scurrying into the waiting room to another expectant father and says, your wife just gave birth to triplets. And the man said, oh, that's, that's unbelievable. I work for 3M Company. At that point in time, uh, another gentleman turned pale, ran out the room. The nurse ran after him. Sir, sir, your wife is in labor right now. He says, I know. I work for 7-Up. <laughs> so well, sometimes you can just see trouble coming. And, and, and you need to anticipate it. I think as parents, we make a big mistake when we try to protect our children from all hurt and never, never deny them anything that they want because we want, well, we just don't want our children to be disappointed. And if they get in trouble at school, we jump in and try to intervene. And, and, and they may likely grow up naively thinking that life is supposed to be near perfect all the time. And when they have trouble... They feel cheated. The class is boring. I'm just not going. This marriage is, isn't satisfying. I'm, I'm getting out. This job is hard. I quit. The church is demanding. I complain. Life is unpleasant. I'm going to bail out. Here's the first step, James says, in learning to cope with trouble. Accept it. Accept it as inevitable. Trouble's not an elective. It is a required course of life. And if you're a parent very long, eventually your children are going to hurt you. You can bank on it. And if you live very long, your mom, your dad are going to die. And one day you're going to have physical health problems yourself. These are inevitable trouble. James points out that there are many kinds of trouble, that they come in various ways. This is, a, this is the word we get polka dot from, variegated colors. Now, admittedly, some people get hit harder than others by trouble. Some have fender benders. Others have head-on collisions. One may lose his wallet. Another may lose his business. One may suffer a blister. Another a coronary. One may have his plans ruined by a thunderstorm and the other by a crushing disease. But troubles come in various sizes. They they come in various ways, but trouble is inevitable, and we need to anticipate it. Now, remember what Jesus said. Do not worry. Now, when you start reading that, do not worry. You may anticipate him going to say, because nothing bad is going to happen to you. That's not, that's not what Jesus said. That may be what your parents said, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He said, you're going to have trouble. It's inevitable. And you need to anticipate it and accept it. And that will go a long way towards allowing for peace in your life. So learn to live the normal days of life and accept trouble as inevitable. Next, James sees that, the most, that most trouble expedites maturity and that we ought to rejoice in it. Now, most because it doesn't always happen that way. James warned us that there there are some seed, uh, Jesus rather, warned us that there is some seed that fall, uh, remember on the shallow ground, the sun comes up, the heat hits it, and it, and it, just, uh, it just withers and dies. So, so that's true. We all know people who have had a bad experience and they got bitter rather than got getting better. But most trouble advances the maturing process in us. And we grow through adversity more than we do through just uh, an average day. So James writes in verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect or mature, complete, needing nothing. Coaches are famous for saying, no pain, no gain. Now, what they mean by that is if you don't work your body, if you don't discipline your body, there will be no strengthening of your muscles, right? And you'll be no stronger. Paul, the apostle, understood this. He wrote to the Corinthians in the second letter, 12th chapter, and seems to reason that God allows that little thorn in his life so that he would mature and that he would not regress into arrogance. Every life has thorns. Some of them cause physical pain. Other thorns have a first and last name. But everybody has one. My life has gone not through some of the hurts that some of you have, but going through the hurts that I have gone through, I see how God has helped me mature through them. And looking back on that, it's, it's, it's obvious. When faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And I've learned that God is much more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. And problems provide opportunity for us to grow. Now, I'll say that, and yet I will also say nobody, nobody rejoices that their transmission quits on loop out here at 5 p.m. on Friday. Nobody rejoices in that. I understand that. But it is an opportunity to grow in uh, maturity and look back and rejoice. However, this underlying spirit of joy is knowing that God works even through extreme trouble for a positive thing. We, we can find peace in trouble because God's word and experience teaches us that it expedites growth. It's not just, it's not just James, not just Paul. Even, even the apostle Peter wrote in his first letter, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So... It's not just one theme, it's the theme of all these biblical writers. Then James sees that understanding trouble requires wisdom. Verse 5, and he tells us to pray for it. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you experience trouble, you, you need wisdom. Now, there's a difference between knowledge, right, and wisdom. Knowledge, the, the gaining of facts and information, but wisdom is the ability of making a practical application of that wisdom to life. Wisdom is this vertical thing. Wisdom is the spiritual discernment that God gives us. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's vantage point. The manager of a, of a boat rental uh, business on a lake checked his watch, and then he picked up his binoculars, and he picked up the megaphone, and he said, Boat 99! Would you please return to the dock? Ten minutes later, he, he, he called out again, Boat 99, would you please return to the dock? About that time, his assistant walks over and says, Sir, we only have 75 boats. So he looks again, he says, Boat 66, are you in trouble? <laughs> Perspective. And in our upside-down world, we need more than knowledge. We need insight. When troubles come, we can lose our perspective, right? And, and we can panic. And we, 
So we need this wisdom to see life from God's vantage point. It's why lawyers are told not to defend themselves because emotions can cloud your perspective. That's why uh, newly widowed uh, women are told not to make immediate decisions because emotions can cloud your vision. And if we pray for wisdom, James says God will give it to us in two ways. First of all, generously. There's no rationing of it. And secondly, without fault. Have you ever asked somebody for something and all they could do was find fault? Well, God says, or rather God never says, I gave you wisdom before and you didn't have the courage to use it. No, I'm not giving you any more wisdom. That's, that's not what God does. But the qualifier, James says, is you must ask believing, verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Your confidence is in God. Do, don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind, like a fishing boat bobbing up and down on the waves caused by the wind. Such people, he says, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Don't just mouth the words asking God for wisdom. Be single-minded to try to gain this perspective of God. Another thing he mentions that threatens our perspective, well, is financial trouble. In verse 9, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them, and they will fade away like a little flower in the field. James seems to imply that both extremes, wealth and poverty, can be trouble. Isn't that interesting? When we're poor, we think if I just had money, I wouldn't have a worry. I wouldn't have a problem. And yet scripture and experience makes it clear that wealth can produce just as much, maybe more problems and trouble than poverty. James says, don't let financial trouble cause you to lose your value system, lose your perspective. Allow God to penetrate through the facade of wealth and don't wallow in self-pity or in envy. Take heart that your riches are found in Jesus Christ. If you have health, if you have family, if you have friends, if you have the promise of life with God forever, realize how fiercely blessed you are. And don't think you're superior because you... You can drive a nice car or live in a million-dollar house. Those things can fade away in an instant. He says in verse 11, The sun, hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and fails and its beauty fades. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. As I was thinking about that this week, I couldn't help but think about how beautifully green all of our lawns are <laughs> and the fields are and the sides of the roads are. And realize that in about 30 days, they won't be. It doesn't take long for those kinds of things to happen. Well, finally, James sees this, that overcoming trouble comes with reward. And we should focus. We should focus on that. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure trouble, testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When you face difficulty, James says, it's really important to get your mind off of the difficulty and onto what you want to accomplish, what you're pursuing, what your ultimate goal is. The Christian going through difficulty can endure if they focus not on the immediate pain, but rather on the reward 
And that reward he describes as the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's not just something by and by. That is life with God now and forever. It was what Jesus said. I have come to give you life and life abundantly. When you go through trouble and you come out on the other side, there is this sense of satisfaction, isn't there? And you have, you, you, you have this accomplishment. You have been blessed. Blessed is the one who patiently endures. He will receive the stamp of approval from God, and he even counts it joy. I will tell you this. Some of the happiest people I know are people who've had the most severe trouble in their life and through it maintain their faith. And some of the most unhappy people I know are those who've had little pinpricks of trouble and they focus on it and they perplex about it and they complain about it. And it's all in your perspective. If you're not happy, most of the time, most of the time, it's your choice. Years ago, Minerth and Meyer wrote the book, Happiness is a Choice. And it's still true. Wherever you are today, you can choose to be unhappy are happy. You can choose to focus on your problems and feel sorry for yourself, or you can focus on the goal and be joyful. Suffering? Well, suffering is inevitable. Misery? Now that's an option. No one knew more trouble than Jesus Christ. Under the threat of execution, he had peace. And just minutes before he went to the cross, here's what he said. My peace, my peace, I give to you. He loves you, and he offers you peace this morning. Maybe your next step today is to adopt God's perspective. Maybe it is to ask him for wisdom. Maybe it is to focus your life on life with God and realize the joy that it brings. So let's make a joyful noise unto the Lord this morning as we close our time together shouting hallelujah to the Lord. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.info. There you'll find event calendars, important announcements, ways to give, and to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.